think of inheritance a little bit differently today than folks in the biblical times would have. Um, I think a lot of times we think of inheritance almost like a windfall. Uh, it's something that comes to us maybe out of the blue. We weren't expecting it, or, or maybe we were expecting it, but uh, once it's ours, it's ours, and we've been planning what to do with it. You know, what am I going to buy? What trips am I going to take? Uh, and, and things like that. And, and so inheritances today are like big events, and they can have a major impact on people's lives. I was reading articles this week about whether or not uh, you should tell your children that they're going to get an inheritance. Now, understand this was uh, articles from Forbes magazine, so this is, you know, a, a million, two million, three million dollar inheritance, you know, not the $19.95 that uh, my boys are getting. So, yeah. uh, but uh, on, on the one side of the debate was, you know, absolutely not. Do not tell them they're getting an inheritance. Make them afraid that they're going to starve to death so that they'll go out and they'll get a job and they'll make something of themselves and then the inheritance will just sort of be like extra on top of everything. And the other side of it was, no, no, absolutely. Tell them they're going to get an inheritance, but, but then teach them how to value money and teach them how to invest it. Teach them what it's for, you know. In other words, do your job as a parent so that they're responsible human beings and things like that. Um, but the idea was that, that the inheritance sort of came to you and it was yours. Now, in biblical days, both Old and New Testament, for, for the Jewish mindset, the inheritance came to you, but it wasn't yours. It belonged to the family. I was trying to think of an example. Uh, a modern day, it's, it's kind of like the family farm. Uh, you might inherit the family farm, but it's not yours. You're just a steward. You just get to work the land for a little while, and when you're done, you better hand it off to the next generation and make sure that it's in good shape and, and set and ready to go. The inheritance isn't yours to cash in and run like the prodigal son and just take the money and abandon the family, but rather, in the Jewish mindset, the inheritance was yours so that you could prove yourself a good servant of the rest of the family and of generations uh, to come. So there was a whole different kind of understanding of what an inheritance would be. I mentioned a, a moment ago that the word inheritance has the idea of an allotment or a portion or a, a, a piece of the whole that is given to us. And so when we come to Ephesians chapter 1 and we read that in Christ we have obtained an inheritance, uh, Paul is saying, I want to remind you that when you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you get to be a part of something. And thinking out of the biblical terms of it, you get to be the steward of something. You know, we can trace a lot of the way that um, uh, inheritance worked through the pages of the Old Testament. If you remember Abram, who is later on named uh, or renamed Abraham, but God came to Abram and he said, look, I want you to leave your homeland. I want you to get up. I want you to travel. I want you to go to a land that I will show you. Now, this required just a, a lot of faith. Uh, uh, Abram needed to, to exercise a great deal of trust. And so he left his family and he just starts traveling with his entourage, with his immediate folks. And, and as he's traveling, he's just trusting that God one day will bring him to a land where he can live. And the Bible says in Genesis 12 that when he got to Canaan, when he got to that land, God said, this is the land that I'll give you, and I'm going to give it to your offspring. See, Abram thought that, well, the, 
The journey's over. He's given me the land. Great, I've got what God is going to give to me. And then God says, but I'm going to give it to your offspring. And Abram does a quick nose count of all his offspring, and he doesn't have any. He doesn't have a child. Doesn't have anyone to give it to. And so God at the very beginning says, you know, Abram, your relationship with me, our covenant relationship together is going to be based on the notion of inheritance. And you're going to have to trust me on this. You're going to have to have faith in me on this because though you don't see how it's going to work out, I'm promising you right now that this land where you are, not only will you live in it, but you're going to have heirs, people to inherit this land land. And that was the covenant of prophet, uh, a promise for Abraham. And that's why when Isaac was born in, 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 to him very late in life, shall we say, uh, and when Isaac was born to him, um, Abraham again, he just rejoiced. And God has proven himself faithful. Look at that. I've got an heir and, and, and I don't have to worry about this. The land is going to go to the family. It's going to stay in the family. But then God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac. I want you to go to Mount Moriah. And there I want you to sacrifice your son. I want you to give him away. I want you to give him to me. And this is not only troubling to Abraham because, one, he's going to lose his son. But it is the promise will be broken. And the inheritance will be lost as well. Well, you know the rest of the story that as Abraham takes his son Isaac to the mountain, God supplies a substitute, a ramp to to uh, die in the place of his son. And so the promise continues and the inheritance continues. It's almost an entire story of inheritance because then Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. And uh, they're twin brothers, but Esau is just a little bit older than Jacob. And because he is kind and considerate and compassionate of heart, Esau likes to rub it into his brother. You know, and to point out, you know, I'm, I'm, the, uh, I'm the older one here. And all society knew that though it was only a technicality, though it was only a few moments older, that Esau would get the inheritance of the land. But God had other ideas in mind, and he worked even through the, uh, uh, shall we say, the character flaws of Jacob. Because uh, w- one day uh, Esau was out in the, in, 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 in the fields, and he was hunting. He liked to hunt. And uh, I'm just thinking about deer hunting and, and how. Any deer hunters here? Any of you got your guns with you? <laughs> <laughs> sort of odd it is. I'll, I'll just put it that way, okay. But anyway, but he's out hunting and uh, uh, he comes in from the field and he's like really, really hungry. Well, Jacob knew this. He knew he would be hungry. So Jacob had made, made up a, a, a pot of Dentymore beef stew, and he was just, you know, fanning the flames, and, and it just smelled terrific. And uh, Esau comes in, he says, I want some of that. And Jacob says, nope. No, 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 I want some of that. I'm dying here. And Jacob says, well, okay, I guess. If you want to just sell your birthright to me, you let me have the inheritance, and I'll let you have some stew here. And Esau, being a typical male, wants the food, and so he just takes it and he gobbles it up and he's fine and and he doesn't worry about it later. But the Bible says that ultimately he came to regret his decision and he wanted the birthright back, but it had already been sold. The inheritance had already passed to the younger Jacob. And on and on it goes. You know, the children of Israel find themselves in the land of Egypt and um, they were supposed to be in Canaan, but they had gone to Egypt because of a famine in the days of Joseph and that, that kind of thing. 
but they wind up in Egypt, and in Egypt they're a minority people, and they're in bondage, and um, for uh, about four centuries they're suffering this way, and they keep crying out to God, crying out, get us out of this thing. And finally God raises up Moses. He raises up Moses, and he says, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down to Egypt land and tell old Pharaoh to let my people go. I think that's the scripture is, is what it is. <laughs> but the other thing that God said to Moses, he said, I want you to take the people out of Egypt and I want you to take them to the promised land. See, God wasn't just going to save them from something. He was going to save them to something. He wasn't just going to save them from their bondage and from their affliction and from their suffering. He was going to save them to their inheritance. He was going to bring them to the land where they should have been all along. He was going to bring them to the land where they would know the blessings of the presence of God and the working of God in their midst. And so they were being saved out of Egypt to the promised land. And everything in between was just the journey. Now they prolonged it a little bit took them about 40 years to make that journey, but at every step along the way, the inheritance, the promised land, was what told them what they were all about. That's why when they got to a spot and they camped there for the night, they'd look around. Nobody ever said, why don't we just stay here? Why? Because we're on our way to the promised land. When they came to an obstacle and they said, well, maybe this is too much. Maybe we should just shut down the whole operation. Can we do that? No, you can't do that. We're on our way to the promised land. At every step along the way, at every day, at every moment, no matter what was going on, foremost in their minds on a good day was that the promised land yet awaits we can't stay here we can't stay doing this we can't just put ourselves here for the rest of history we've got to get to the promised land they came to Kadesh Barnea and they were about to enter into that land and some of the spies came back and they said you know getting into this promised land we know God has promised it but those folks there are awfully big and they're awfully scary and I don't know if we can do that and they, and they said oh no we don't know and they went back and the reason that they kept traveling and traveling and traveling is that there were two spies Caleb and Joshua who said look God can defeat these people that's the promised land that's our inheritance And so for the next 40 years, at every step along the way, that's our inheritance drove them along until ultimately they came to the side of the River Jordan. And they looked across the Jordan, they saw the promised land, and that drew them across. You see, the inheritance defined them. The inheritance was a gift of God that they didn't deserve, that they had not earned. It was a gift of God that wasn't based upon their performance. It was a gift of God based solely upon the fact that God wanted them in that land, and that was their inheritance. That land that was an inheritance defined them and shaped them, told them where to go and what to do and how to behave because they had an inheritance from God. Now, when they got into the promised land, when they got into the land, uh, every tribe got a portion, a lot, a kleros of land as a part of their particular inheritance. Now, Israel was made up of, of 12 tribes, 12 big clans or families, whatever you, you want to call it, but it had 12 tribes, and each tribe got an inheritance. Each tribe got a little bit of land, and God decided who got what, and, and it, was, it, was, it was spread out equitably and according to God's plan and according to God's will. Well, almost every tribe got a piece of land. The Levites didn't. 
The tribe of Levite didn't, didn't get any land, but God said, here's what your inheritance is going to be. You're going to be my priest. You're going to offer the sacrifices. You're going to keep the people uh, focused on God. You're going to be the ones who are the spur to the rest of the nation to keep God at the focal point of their understanding. And this is the way the Bible phrases it. God said, you know, you Levites, here's your inheritance. The Lord will be your portion. You ever hear that phrase? That's what it means. The Lord will be your inheritance. The Lord will be the inheritance that you use and employ and shapes your life. And then you will pass that inheritance down to the next generation, and they will be stewards of the service of God and the ministry of the temple. They will be the servants and then they will give that to their next generation and the next. You will treat the Lord your God as your inheritance. Your inheritance is to serve God. That's what he said to the Levites. And then the Levites were given cities just sprinkled out throughout the land so that everywhere you went, there was somebody there whose inheritance was the Lord God, whose portion was God. And you would be reminded that that was the focus of this inheritance all along. I want, to see, I want you to see just one thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll read this to you. This is found in the book of Psalms. So the people all have land as their inheritance. This will be Psalm 16. Uh, they all have a, an, an inheritance. Deuteronomy 32, 9, God says to them, but Jacob, Israel, the people, he said, you will be the Lord's inheritance. As the people were bound to the land, God said, I will bind myself to the people. And that was the act of grace. And so God said, the people, the chosen people of God, Israel, will be my inheritance. So, here, so that's what you have. You have the, the, the folks have an inheritance. They have the land. The Levites, they have an inheritance. It's to serve God. In Psalm 16, King David is not a Levite. But he writes this. I'm, I'm going to just read you verses 5 and 6. King David says, the Lord is my chosen portion. From that word for inheritance. The Lord is my chosen piece of the inheritance. The Lord is what I get of the inheritance. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot, my allotment. You see, all these words have to do with inheritance. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. The lines are the boundary markers. You know, everybody else had boundary markers. You know, that stake over there, go over there, and then another stake, follow the river, come back here. That's the boundary. That's your inheritance. But the Lord has set down lines and boundaries for my inheritance. He is my portion, and I find the boundaries of that to be very, very pleasant. The lines, the boundaries have fallen for me in pleasant places. And indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. What has David done here? He has said, the inheritance given to Levi is the inheritance I want. The inheritance to worship God and to glorify him. The inheritance of making sure the nation is focused on him and, 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 and follows who God is. He said, that inheritance, that's the inheritance I want. So David says, whatever Levi, his inheritance, that's the inheritance I want. And, and, and the land is important, but to serve God is the, is the ultimate 
in my life. And so the Lord is my chosen portion. He has moved to that. We could go on and cite other, other aspects of, of the notion of inheritance. Uh, Jesus said, uh, didn't he, that the meek shall inherit the earth. It wasn't the idea, well, they get to ultimately have title to all this stuff around here. No, the meek, those who are devoted to God, who are malleable and, and whom God can shape by the power of his Holy Spirit, the meek who are teachable, the meek who are surrendered to the work of God, the meek shall inherit because that's what God is about, giving us an inheritance, and there's no limit to God's inheritance. And if you just want to think of it in a very graphic way, the earth, that's what's going on there. And how many people came up to Jesus and they said, Rabbi, I've got you a question. I've just got to ask you this. What should I do in order to inherit eternal life or inherit the kingdom of God? Much the same thing. See, they were talking about inheritance. And so if you were thinking biblically and you see that word inheritance, you have a whole history going behind it of God in his grace giving us a place to live that will define us and shape us and tell us how we ought to move about in our lives and what the goal of life is. God has given to us an inheritance. And you see that, and Paul says, in Christ we have obtained this inheritance. You see what has happened in this passage of Scripture. I'm just going to point it out to you real quick. If, if you remember back in, uh, in, 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 when we started this, back in verse 3, Paul says, Blessed be God who's blessed us in the heavenly places with all uh, spiritual and heavenly places blessings. Uh, and so let's bless God who's blessed us. And here's the blessings he's given to us. And he says, first of all, God chose us from the foundation of the world. And he predestined us for what? For adoption. You know what happens when you adopt somebody? They become your heir. They get the inheritance. God says, oh, God, uh, Paul says, God planned before the foundation of the world that he would bring us in to inherit the kingdom, to inherit what he has for those who love him. He chose us, so the Father chooses us, resulting in putting us into uh, inheritance status with him. Then as we look down a little bit further in verse 7, he said, in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness which he lavished upon us. And then in verse 11, in him, we've obtained the inheritance. And so Christ died for us, shed his blood for us. We've been redeemed and we have been forgiven of our sins. And the whole point of that is to lead us to get an inheritance. And just quickly to anticipate next week in verses 13 and 14, in Christ, we receive the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, this is verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. See, that's why we're spending time on it this morning. That, that concept of the inheritance is what's linking all these verses together, that God has blessed us by giving us an inheritance in Christ Jesus. Now, that inheritance is unshakable, it's incorruptible. It's imperishable. That, that, uh, that inheritance is securely held for us in safety. And we are kept by the power of God until that day that we inherit. You know, as the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, they kept thinking about that inheritance. I think Moses kept thinking about that inheritance. They came up to the end of the journey, been some 40 years, and they had gone towards and back away from, they'd gone sideways, they'd gone round in circles, 
But now they'd reached the spot. They were about ready to enter the promised land. They were about to receive the inheritance. Moses, God said, Moses, you're disqualified from, from, from going into the promised land, but I want to show you something. And he took Moses up to the top of Mount Pisgah. And there from those lofty heights, Moses saw the promised land. He looked out and he could see all the way from the Mediterranean sweeping down to the very southernmost reaches of the promised land. He could see every hill, every mountain, every valley. He could see the lush vineyards. He could see the orchards. He could see the magnificent cities. He saw the wonder and the glory of the inheritance before him. It's almost understandable why the next verse in the Bible says, and then Moses died. Oh, if we ever knew the fullness of the inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus. Oh, you couldn't stand living here any longer. If we ever knew and we could see the glory and the majesty of heaven in its fullness, if we could ever see the wonder of what the Holy Spirit does in, the, in, in, in bringing us before the Father's throne, if we ever heard the angelic choir singing, you know, sometimes, you know, when we sing here, I'm thinking, you know, the angels must have paused to take notice of First Baptist Church of Waldorf because they can learn something about our singing uh, this morning. Oh, I, I thank God for it. But if we could just see what it was like to sing the praises of God for all eternity and when we were done, start all over again and sing his praises. Oh, if we could see the wonders of the inheritance that is ours, that is coming our way, I think we couldn't stand it here any longer. It just about want to die and be there. This morning we come up to the, to the banks of the Jordan and we just look across and we see the promised land. We see the promised land and some are saying, well, I'm not sure I want to go there. I'm not sure I want to go into the promised land. I've kind of gotten used to the wilderness I've gotten used to the old ways of doing things. I've gotten used to my habits. I've gotten used to my sin and my rebellion. I'm not sure I want God to be at the focus of everything. I'm not sure that an inheritance over there is better than the pitland I have here. And so we stand on the, on the banks of the, of the Jordan River. We look at the promised land and we hesitate and we hold back. Oh, some of us want to get to the promised land, but we're saying, God, maybe I'll go tomorrow. Maybe I'll wait till tomorrow. You know, and tomorrow I, I, I will finish all the things I want to do here, and, and then I'll do your will, and then I'll, then I'll cross over, and then I'll know the glory of it all. I'm, I'm just going to wait till tomorrow, Lord. And some of us are saying, God, lead on. God, just lead me across that Jordan. Put me in that land. Plot out the lines and the boundaries of my portion. God, let my portion be the Lord. Let my inheritance be to worship you and to serve you and to glorify you. Because when you come into your inheritance and your inheritance is God, that's why you were born. That's why God created you in the first place. So this morning, beloved, you know, maybe you've been wandering in the wilderness long enough. Maybe you've come to the banks of the Jordan and you're hesitating, hesitate no more. That, that inheritance is ours. It's an inheritance won for us in the past by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's an inheritance in the future when we know the fullness of that inheritance in the glory of heaven. But it's an inheritance that is ours now as stewards and servants of the Most High God. 
that that inheritance would shape our lives and form our lives so that at every moment this week we can say, I know where I'm going. I'm pointed towards the glory of God. Every moment this week we can say, I know what what defines what I should do next. It is the glory of God. That's why Paul says that we who were the first to hope in Jesus should be to the praise of his glory because he's given us an inheritance kept for us, real now, real in glory for all eternity. Let's bow together. And gracious Father, Christ alone is worthy, and yet you have put us in Christ so that his worthiness sort of clouds over us and clothes us. Jesus alone is righteous, and Jesus alone sinless, and his righteousness now is put upon us that we might be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Father, Jesus alone deserves the inheritance and the glory of heaven. But you have made us your heirs and you've made us joint heirs with Christ. Father, how we thank and praise you. And I ask your Holy Spirit now to work in the lives of those in this room. Open their eyes to see just the greatness of our inheritance and motivate the heart that we would ever be moving towards the inheritance you would give to us for your glory. In Christ Jesus, praying in his name, amen. Thank you.